Hano hano o kawai hai i ki kai vanavana. Hano hano o wai mea i kaua ki pu'u pu'u. Ano ai e nga hoa, mahalo ka ho'olohe ho ana mai ma keia hoa kai i kohala. Majestic is kawai hai of the whispering sea. Majestic is wai mea in the cold, hard ki pu'u pu'u rain. In today's podcast episode, we continue to honor kohala. Velina mai, welcome to Kaleo Kauluau. Aloha elei, pehea oi. Mai kai Drew, pehea oi. Mai kai mahalo. I'm happy to be here with you as we continue our huakai around Hawaii Island. Yes, and we find ourselves in the district of Kohala, and we have yet another special guest to share mo'olalo of that moko with us today, Homai Bertelman. Homai was born and raised on the island of Hawaii and is kama'aina to Pu'ukapu and Waimea in Kohala Waho. She was raised on her family's ranch where riding horses and caring for the animals grew to be some of her passions. Music has always been a significant part of her family's life too, bringing generations of ohana into one space and moment to share in the joy and melodies, which also brought Waimea and Kohala families together during her life. She was reared in Waimea, where the voyaging canoe Makali'i was birthed in 1995, and she continues to be an integral part of that community, serving as a kumu at Kanuoka Aina Charter School, and has been involved in developing and implementing project-based curriculum in Aina and Kai-conscious settings. Pomai is inherently tied to the Ohana Va'a, voyaging canoes, and their movements throughout Hawaii and the Pacific. The canoes have been Pomai's educational foundation and a tool of vision and self-discipline and personal direction for the past 30 years, empowering her to continue to serve in various capacities in her community. As Pomai herself states, when we sail the deep ocean, the canoe is the land beneath our feet. Therefore, when we return home, it is our responsibility to become stewards of the land and do all that we can to Malama Aina and her kanaka. If not for the Aina, the Va'a cannot exist. Let's go over to Pomai now. Welcome, Pomai. We're so glad you could join us today. Um, it's nice to see you again after all of these years. And um, I just wanted to share how I love how important the environment, both on land and at sea, has been for you mm-hmm. um, in your life and, and also your, your involvement over these last couple of decades in Aina-based, project-based education mm-hmm. for our youth. Um, and I just got to say, as a geographer, too, I have so much respect for navigation, both the concept and the practice. And I'm honored to be in the presence of someone um, who has had such an important role in navigation. And um, I also appreciate your your connecting communities through voyaging. Mm-hmm. And I think back to the times when my own geography students actually have yep. have tended to the makali'i yep. in, at Mahukona in the past and also um, greeted Hokulea. Yep upon arrival. So um, those were um, really powerful moments for all of us. So we look forward to hearing whatever you're willing to share with us today. So mahalo nui for being with us. Mahalo nui ya'oi. Thank you, Joe. It's good to see you again. Mahalo nui for joining us. Um, I previously did not have the opportunity to meet you, but um, through our connections, I have heard about the many things you're doing for your community and the honua, especially with the va'a. And my own son has um, had the chance to learn about and sail makali'i, um, which is a va'akaulua or double-hold canoe during a summer program with Nakalaiva'a. And the impact of that program still remains with him to this day. So mahalo nui. Mikai. Mahalo nui to you too, Leilani. I think um, it's just uh, 
you know, you don't ever know, like Drew was saying, the kind of connections and the connectivity that's going to happen um, when you come together. But I always think that when you're coming together and the purpose is for the service of community and of others, I think then um, uh, connectivity happens on all kinds of levels. And so mahalo nui for that as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, mahalo. And with that, mo'olelo mai ke olo'olo po mai. Um, you know, mahalo nui too, again, for having me today. And um, we're just really grateful to be able to share for, for a little bit um, in regards to I, what I believe is peeling aina, um, connectivity to aina, and um, that aina meaning the land that stretches from the highest heights of Mauna Kea to that of the Kailipo, Lipo, and the Moana Nuiya Kea. So, um, so first of all, to those kupuna, to those um, entities and those spaces that have helped to rear me and my ohana, um, I'm just truly, truly grateful. Kohala as well is also a part of that makeup, and I think those of Waimea, where I come from, um, on Moko Ave uh, would would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge Kohala as our water source, um, that of Kohakohau and Kawainui and Waikoloa and Alakahi and so many other tributaries that fill that space. And so um, Kealoha Nui to them. Um, I am the eldest of five children. My my dad's name is Clayton Bertelman and my mom is Deidre Francine Lemomianuha Lindsay. Um, my mom's ohana has been in Waimea for generations. My dad's ohana uh, from Molokai and Kauai and Waiohino Kau. Um, and then again, ended up in Waimea. So I was just very grateful to be there. Um, in the span of the grandchildren, I am, uh, I'm, the, I'm almost the middle. I'm almost <laughs> the middle of, of the 19. And so um, just always grateful to be able to kind of be in a space where you have ability to listen and to hear and to and to watch and to listen and to observe and potentially absorb some of that mm -hmm. and um be able to apply that to to self when self and brain are mat uh, are mature enough to understand that <laughs> right and so um i'm just grateful to my ohana um the my the ohana that I am from, um, was raised in an aina called Kamoku. And Kamoku is part of Department of Hawaiian Homelands. Uh, my grandfather was able to be one of those nieces who were able to get a pastoral lease all those years ago. I believe it's in 1952. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when that did occur, that along with the residences and the agricultural lots that came on a bit after, it really helped to add another layer to who Waimea was. Um, Waimea is rich and so beautiful in land um, and in fertile soil in many, many ways. And then when you think about it, the aina pula pula that feeds everybody, much of it was actually rocky terrain. And the kanaka oivi, as well as the kanaka kepani and the kanaka haole, really became came together as a solid community and made those aina become some of the most fertile and really positions us um, in, a, in a basket, if you will, a nutrient-rich basket that is able to feed many. And so just truly grateful to those aina um, as well, of Lala Milo and Lihu'e and all of those spaces and places. Uh, but Kamoko was a place where my grandfather created a space for us as Ohana. And this is my dad's dad. Um, and um, wanted us to be able to learn 
to um, be able to provide for ourselves from Aina. So our Ohana, in one sense, is a very much so a ranching family. Um, we all grew up riding. We all grew up understanding how important it was to malama animals and to take care of those because they were the ones feeding us. Mm -hmm. My father worked for Parker Ranch for a number of years. And so for us, um, the bounty of being able to eat eopipi or meat or pua um, came actually from Aina. Um, at one point, my dad actually moved on from the ranch. I believe I was 15. I, I remember being so frustrated with him and I couldn't understand why, you know. Um, but I also remember when we started to purchase meat more consistently from the store. And that was kind of a, a no-brainer. I mean, a big, a big mind blower, actually. Um, and then, and then there's the other side where my mom's dad and his mom and his grandparents, um, were, uh, had, were Pili to Waimea and born and raised in Waimea for generations. And, um, and so they became the ones who maintained stories of place and of a more, and of an older time, times that I cannot even imagine. Um, they were the ones that carved out Kohale out of Aina and made their homesteads actually work for them. Um, and so, you know, there's there's also that honor to uh, his tutu, uh, Huapili uh, Kawe, and to all the kuleana that she instilled, I think, in her family and then in her mo'opuna as well. Uh, one of the most beautiful things that I actually um, remember about my mom's dad, there's so many. One, because he's kolohe, because he's funny, <laughs> um, because he loved to tell stories, but he also loved to speak in riddles. And every time he would speak to us, especially if he wanted us to learn something, he would speak in riddles. And I remember there was a point in time, Kalamai, his name is James uh, Faye Lindsay, also known as, as Kimo, Kimo Lindsay. Um, and his his... My mom's mom is uh, Stella Kukila Kila Liana of uh, Waimea, and then her mom was a Pu'uana Hulu. Um, and so, you know, he was very kolohe, uh, but they had three beautiful girls, raised, born and raised in Waimea. And um, so my mom tells stories about their movement around, around the community was walking, was all on foot. For us in my time, it was by horse. Mm. And it was by bike. And you could be anywhere in town on those two modes of transportation. But they walked everywhere. Wow. You know? Um, and so circling back to my papa, though, I think one of the most beautiful things that he was able to do uh, and that, that I remember hearing him uh, in, in my remembrance of him speaking was um, listening to him speak effortlessly in a language that was all, of, all his own. And... Um, he was a softy. He would cry a lot because um, everything touched his heart. And he also was self-taught because if I'm not mistaken, he um, he finished school in eighth grade. Um, in his home, he had uh, he self he taught himself to speak uh, French. He taught himself to speak um, a couple other languages, and you would hear hear him. We'd walk into the house and. Um, some days you would hear him saying things as he's as he's mimicking the recordings. You know, you would hear him saying "Hola, Isabel, Hola, <laughs> Isabel." You know, and we'd walk in the house and we laugh, laugh, laugh. And he's like, "Ah, that's for another time." But in relationship to my papa and to connectivity, I just wanted to go ahead and maybe start with this little um, remembrance that I have. Um, 
they, he and my grandmother, my uh, mama, actually, Mama Stella, they were building or refurbishing a, a office building that was going to become their home. And so it was moved from the community of Waimea to their aina in Pu'ukapu. Um, and um, right below the Pu'u of Kakanihia. Um, and it was, they were working to refurbish it and to make it what would become a place where they would live out their lives. And I was small at that time. I was two years old, three years old. And I remember spending a lot of time with them. What I remember about the time is um, sawdust because he was cutting all of the wood and cutting the wood and cutting the wood. And if you will, there were a number of pill bottles scattered here and there. Um, I believe and perceive that Ohana had had mea, um, and so they needed to take the medicine. So there's all these pill bottles and um, to keep me occupied and out of the way, he would, uh, they would toss the pill bottles out there and then I go fill it up with sawdust and stack them all up. And then he would dump them all out and take it. Hello, <laughs> you know? Um, and there was one day when I remember that the pill bottles were not any of my interest anymore. This must have been on day like four, five, and six, <laughs> you know. And uh, um, at one point when I went inside in the room that he was working in to go and um, I guess bother him or catch his attention, I remember him telling me, "Miss Pomai, I don't have we don't we don't have the time right now. Um, go outside." And he said, "Heliwaho aikalepo," and I was like. I looked at him and I was like, what? And he said, hele waho aikalapo. And I was like, what do you mean hele waho aikalapo? So what he was talking about, um, and I didn't realize this until many, many years later, what he was telling me was go outside and feast of the dirt. Go inside and be part of the dirt. Go outside oh. and stay in that space in the lepo. Go be in that space. I didn't catch that until maybe about 15 years ago. Hmm. And so... Um, I think when I think back to to that moment, and then to I, I think to the to I think about um, the span of his life and where he ended up prior to his transition um, to Wakia. Um, when he left this space, um, he left the space thriving. He left the space absolutely beautiful. He left the space filled with plum trees and peach trees and all different types of citrus trees with chickens and with ducks. He left a place with thriving uwala and thriving kalo. And those became, I would say, to a degree, his kanaka. They were the ones that he, they, was, they were his peeps. They were the ones that he was with <laughs> every day, day in and day out. And so his, his life story through my lens is similar and the same life story for my Papa Archie, my dad's dad and my grandma, my grandmother, my grandma B in the way that they left this earth, making sure that we were filled as well with a ranch that was thriving, with a ranch that we were able to get our beef from, with our ranch that was able to provide for us as Ohana, you know? And, and so when I think about the two, um, my two grandparents and what they set up and, re and uh, uh, enabled for us to have, it's really this story of longevity and a story of um, continuity. Um, so fast forward now to the community that I grew up in. Um, 
when I grew up in town in Waimea, I was um, part of the ranching gang, right? Because my dad <laughs> was Parker Ranch. And so part of my kuleana, yes, first and foremost, and on the mine was working with the ranch. But I think more significantly and more, spe more especially, it was uh, Pilina Ohana and Pule Ohana and the ability to come together and to be together as a large family, opposed to being families unto yourself. So of course we had our own Kule Ana Ohana. We had our own places to maintain, but anytime we came together as families, we were, um, we acted as though, no, we became one large family. So there was no acting in it. That's just what it was. Um, I remember distinctly the first time that as a ranching Ohana, we went down to Anaiho Malu to camp. And, you know, at that time in your mind, when you're three and four years old, you have no idea that what that means, right? You don't, you don't understand that the ranchers are going there because um, they have a place set aside for them by Parker Ranch. But that was the case. And so Parker Ranch had um, held a, a part of Anaiho Omalu um, for a number of years. And so um, the ranchers would go down and they'd spend time and they'd, many of them would heal after breaking bones and whatnot on, on the horse. And um, and so it became the sanctuary, I think, for all of us. But that was my first introduction into um, the intelligence of Malcolm Makai. Mm. Not just to the thought process of Malcolm Makai, but to the intelligence of it. And that, um, you know, we always had these, these, these nets hanging in our garage these throw nets, and they all had, there was none of them had um, the plastic leads on them or the plastic um, floats on them. They all still had how float. And I didn't understand what that was because it just felt lighter. It just felt really nice in your hand. But there came three or four times a year when we had to go malama that net, take it off of the, take it off of the garage wall, off of all of the nails. Stretch it out nicely, make it make sure that it was all makaukau and ready to go because we were going to go kai, which meant we were going to Anaiho Omalu, which meant we were not going to be at Moka for a good one to two weeks and sometimes almost the whole summer. And so those became really, really, really amazing times for us and opportunities for us um, because that's when you saw the Kanaka Paneola transition to Kanaka Okai. That's when you realize that the skill that they had was far beyond just being on the back of a horse or making fence or, you know, malama pipi. It was it, hanai pipi. It was more than that, right? It was, oh, okay, so now we have to go pick up auto opala. We had to go malama our campsite prior to jumping in the water in the morning. We wanted to go holo holo down to Kaivekia to any of those places. Then we had to make sure that kuleana was done. Mm -hmm. No more dishes. Everything was makaukau ready to go. You know, and then you saw these men, you know, hammer these nets and take them out of their pakini or out of their kini, out of their buckets, and then kiloi upena, and then bring home food in such a very diff in a very different way. But nonetheless, they were feeding everybody. And so, I remember, I think it was my, um, I was nine years old, and we we're there and we was all playing in the in the in the water, um, right out in front of our camp and somebody stepped on my toe, my toenail came off. And so because of that, I had, they had to rush me and put me in the car and we had to come up the hill and um, go get a tetanus shot, right? So that I wouldn't get my. 
But I remember, and I still to this day, I know exactly what I had on. Mm. I know exactly that I felt like you, they were stripping me away from what was happening down at the Kai. Like if this is, if this is, if this only happens for certain moments of time, then I really want to go back, you know? And so did, got home, did my shot, stayed home for an evening. But I remembered having that longing to go back. And that, that wasn't something that I was kama'aina to up until, or that was familiar to me up until that very moment. When I realized that, yes, there, for myself, there really is a pilina and a relationship to Moka and Makai. And right now, my, my ano, my, my spirit, my DNA is calling to go back that way. Whether it was because of family, whether it because, was because of the ocean, whether it was because of the le'ale'ane'es, um, that's where I wanted to be. And I um, was grateful to be able to return the following day, hopping around on my crutches with my foot all wrapped, my toe wrapped up, you know, and, and by the time we left, I was able to be back in the kaya again, but so many memories. And so, um, which then leads me to, um, I think, who we, who we in my in my lifetime were as people growing up in Waimea. So my brother and I, now I'm gonna change the story maybe a little bit. Um, my brother and I, Kelly, um, and I mentioned him not to exclude the other three, but my mom and her family, uh, my my grandfather's sister, Auntie Kamaile, um, were they were along with many the Bell family and um Iwamasa family and some of the other families that we met, they were laymakers. And um, what was really beautiful was that everybody's home and homestead had flowers growing there. And the flowers weren't just flowers that you were gonna be, um, that, that you loved to have there because they were beautiful. They were all gonna be used. And so, um, you know, for my brother and I, from when we were small, part of the kuleana was to help my mom to Ohiopala, and then to arrange everything and organize everything so that we could go ahead and make lay. Um, and again, I think one of the things that I remember distinctly was it's one thing to put it in a box and put it in a package and, and gift it out the door or to take it to auntie's house, right? But the other thing was to recognize then at rodeos or when you're making lao lao or when you're making kalua and all the uncles and the families come back together that the lay is on their hat, you know, or that the lay is around the neck, or you see the kupuna wearing it in church, you know. And then, so again, all these, all these links, all these connections, all these these pieces of connectivity. And I, as I reflect on it now, there are so many moments like that when you realize that sometimes you just go through the process of the doing because that's what you need to do, right? You just Hollow, and this is what your parents tell you to do, and you mimic what they do, and you follow their example. Eventually, though, that becomes you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the case, right? Eventually, that becomes you. And so there was that. And then there was the kuleana that my brothers had to go with all of the uncles and all of the grandpas. And when it came time to make imu, you know, um, our ohana, as well as um, all of, all of, a lot of our uncles um, in the community, because the community was so small. I think now, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 87 to 9,200 people. But when I was growing up, the town had maybe a thousand, maybe a thousand wow. people. Big difference. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a lot, actually. Um, 
And so, you know, so when so then it would come time for my brothers to go, and I'd be like, "Hey, wait, I'll go too." And he's like, "No, you cannot go. That's not your time. That's not your place. Let the let the Kanye go." And we come back, and we gotta set Imu. Yeah, you can help do this and that. And none of that was said. It was just known, you know. And so yeah, then there was that part where you see this gathering of people and this coming together of people again. Whether it was to be in service of somebody's pa'ina, because you know nobody, the, what you're gonna get out of that, you're gonna get out of that sweat equity, right? You're gonna get out of that n- becoming to know your place and knowing where to gather from. There's even a process of if it's not your aina, you gotta ask if you can go get, right? And and then when you do get, what is the reciprocation of that? And so I never understood why if we only needed three pigs, we had to make five. Or if we only needed four pigs, we have to make five. Until I realized that though there was this um, preparation being made for community, just to feed community, for fundraising, for football, and all of the sports things that was going on, for Luau, um, there was also the part where everybody also got to eat from that. And so everybody took home. Right. And everybody was all that multiplied. And so everybody was also able to go take to other people, you know. And so I, I didn't I didn't catch that or realize that until um, maybe about 10 or 11. And it's interesting now that I'm sitting here, I can see all of these moments happening in front of me as I'm as I'm sharing this, which I think is kind of a uh, really neat thing. Um, I remember the first time my brothers had to set the emu on their own. And um, my dad and the uncles had, you know, dug the emu and they told the boys, you guys get them. And that's the thing. I asked you the question, you get them. You say, yeah, you get them. Then you better get them, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, they said, oh, yeah, we get them. And um, I remember they they had started to set and, and, and um, they had it. The pattern was done and everything was good. And they were really, 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 really stoked. And, and I was really happy for them and just really grateful that you know, at the, in that moment that they're, they had enough confidence in them, in them based on the amount of times that they had gone to be able to do that. And so again, just some really neat opportunities. Um, I also know, you know, that for Arohana, um, we, and a lot of other community, uh, and uncles and aunties in the community, right? We always used to use the term calabash. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never really understood the term until now when I think about what the calabash or the ipu or the pola represents, you know, and what that actually has the ability to do, whether it's a, a bowl or the deck of the canoe. But the kuleana is to bring people to one space, you know. And so um, there was so much of that kind of relationship. Um, but one of the things that that we did a lot was, I think at one point, just to kind of kako and help each other's families, everybody started to do this catering opportunity, you know, catering and making luau, um, which then meant that we were together quite a lot, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and so in being together, um, by far, by far, by far, by far, some of the greatest memories, I have to say, that really helped to cement us as, as um as families was music. Uh, the Kanikapila action, the garage, the the backyard jam, that was consistent. So if you would, it was like a, a Kanaka Koa, right? With all of his 
Kuleana and all of the kino that he needed to bring along with him for whatever action he needed to to Malama, every single one of the trucks had two things, right? Had rifles, because <laughs> we were hunting families, right? And then had some sort of an instrument. Ida had one tenor ukulele and one 12 string guitar that I cannot even imagine playing because I imagine that, that my fingers would be really sore. <laughs> um, or one six string guitar. Um, and I always remember, I remember somebody saying, you know, but the music, the music, the music, the music that was heard in every single garage um, really, I think, helped to cement us as a family. And that even when things were really, really hard for me and the generation that is of my age group, we would come running out of the backyard just to sit on the side and listen. And eventually we had the ukulele in our hand and eventually we would be able to harmonize alongside and eventually we might have been able to sing the first verse, you know, and, um, the, the songs that came out of all of these garages and on and out from the two trailers put together at a rodeo with a, with a blue tarp over the top, you know, so that we had shade. All of these moments in time, these impressions of working up at the ranch, of fixing fence, going to my papa's house, watching baseball, eventually ending with Ma's been playing, out, playing music outside or what law with him being down at Anaiho Omalu or Waialea or uh, Kauai Hai, uh, Puaka'i Lima, um, they all, those, those guitars and those instruments always came out and they always helped to resonate and to, um, if you will, to temper and to facilitate relationship with whoever was there. Um, and then you go back up Mocha again after brandings. Um, and it always happened after the work was done, right? Mm. This doesn't happen just because you like them happen. It happens after the work is done. After the dinner pal coco, after the piggies in the emu, after the fence pal making, you came home and you malama the horses after the branding. After the catch was made down at Anaiho Omalu and it was already, the fish was already cleaned and already fried and the dinner was pal. It always happened after that. And I think that those are the things that really help me to identify with who I am because I tell you to this day, those are the things that we do, you know, after the dinner is made, after everybody pow eat, after the branding is pow, um, after a nice long day at the beach, even if it's just now to catch a tan, <laughs> you know, um, the ukulele and the guitar come out. Now the cajon comes out. Sometimes now the karaoke machine comes out. <laughs> But nonetheless, the music is still the binding agent. And I do think that we've heard time and time again, right, that, that music is the, is the language of the heart. And I truly believe that. And, and I also think to add to that, that harmony is the fabric that weaves us all together. And so when you get multiple voices singing, even if it's flat, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we have the ability to do that so that... Um, so that we can continue to um, to move to move together, you know. Um, and so, with that said, I think um, I think about those moments, and I think about all of those things that I've been able to learn to play. Um, my brothers and my sisters and I, at one point, my dad was trying to put together this little band in the house, 
And it was the most hilarious thing because he wanted a few of us to learn how to play guitar. And he wanted a few of us to learn how to play ukulele. And my other brother had to play the bass. And we all wanted to play the bass. Like, yeah, that thing is cool. Like, it's connected yeah. to the, you know, um, it's connected to the, uh, to power. And it has, you can hear it and we can hold a beat. And, and, and you got to hold a beat another way with the guitar and the ukulele. That's kind of a little bit pressure. Um, my mom's house. To, 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 to round it out, I guess, in this session today. My mom's house, the kitchen has always been yellow. And the kitchen is small. I want to say that it's probably like nine feet wide by about 12 feet long. It's tiny. Um, but the amount of people that we're able to put in the kitchen, um, that is the image, the image that I want to leave today. The numbers of people we're able to fit into the kitchen, moving the benches away from the table, bringing in chairs and sitting shoulder to shoulder, sometimes lap on lap, um, utilizing all of the counter space, all the way to the stove. Um, those are such beautiful memories. And, and it, we always say even to today, if, that, if those walls could talk. Um, and now as I'm sitting here, I think to myself, really, I think if those walls could say anything, it would play back a song that none of us have potentially ever heard, but we always knew. Mm. Oh, that's a beautiful image. Yeah. That's a very, very beautiful image. Mahalo nui, Pomai, for all of that you shared. Um, something, a common thread I keep seeing through all the images and, and all the stories that you've shared is that the relationships and the lessons you've learned from ohana have carried you from your very first memory mm -hmm. all the way to now and everything that you've learned has served a function in everything that you do and so even though you started out in your 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 ohana right mm -hmm. and then it spread out to community mm -hmm. and then even more so honua like mm -hmm. across the world mm -hmm. um these things have all helped shape you into the person you are and just so many lives being touched by everything that you're doing and continue mm -hmm. to do. And it's all, you can trace it all back to these memories that you have of your ohana. And it's just a beautiful thing. And so mahalo nui for sharing. Mahalo nui. Um, mahalo to you for painting that imagery as well. I think um, sometimes you can become isolated and think, well, this the work just has to get done. But the way that you put it just now, you know, I... I, I do, I, I do attribute, I think, all of the work that we're doing right now that we, we will continue to do, it goes back exactly to those moments. It's about the gathering, bringing people together and learning something new and, continue, and letting it continue and letting it live. Um, so thank you for painting that imagery for me. I appreciate that. Aye. Mahalo, Pomai. And what um, what resonates with me, so much of what you shared is is powerful. Um the intelligence of Malka, Makai. I really like that. Um, but the portrait that you created for us of Waimea, of your childhood and mm -hmm. your ohana, um, is so compelling. It's, I mean, I think a lot of us would find it really um, very beautiful and powerful. And and we all know that things have been changing over mm -hmm. the last few years or even decades. And yes. um, I would be curious to know maybe what, what strains of what you've shared about Waimea, this very special community, mm -hmm. and even extending all the way to Anaiho'omalu, as mm -hmm, you mentioned mm -hmm. too, what, what, what of those practices or those 
ethics or those ways of life do you envision like continuing that would be really fruitful for the people of Waimea and and this island and and beyond? Mahalo mm-hmm. Nuiju um, for asking that question. You know, I think in in sharing today, I talked about how potentially there was about a thousand people in ours growing up, and now we're roughly at about eighty-seven to ninety-two hundred people in the community. Um, which also means then that the water source feeds that many people, but it also continues on to Honoka and through Pawilo, um, from the Waimea Reservoirs um, and, you know, up at Puuki and Puuauaka. And so it really becomes important, um, I think, for us as Kanaka Oivi of the, of the Aina to be able to temper that and to be participants of everything that comes up about community. Um you know, growing up, I don't think I ever thought that you'd be att- I'd be attending or be being uh, attached to the Waimea Community Association Board. At one point, I was, um, and that you become part of all of the community meetings that are happening and the facilitations of these meetings. But eventually, you realize you need to because the climate and the population of people. Um, at one point, I think I would have said that it was transforming. Now I would definitely say we're coming to the point of potentially becoming diluted as Kanaka Oivi from the Aina. And so it's absolutely important that we um, stay on top of um, the movements that are being made in community by state, by county, and by government, but also by Kanaka, mm-hmm. you know. Is that an easy task? No, it's not. So some of the salient things, threads that continue to remain is music. The families mm-hmm. still gather. We still come together. We still have these pa'ina. We still sit and have backyard jams. Um, and we still do those things. Um, sometimes though now when I think about it, it's more few and far between than it was consistent. The things that are still happening is the laulau and the kalua pig and the luau and all of those things. Um and so I think it really behooves us and it's up to us to be able to still have and, and de- uh, have a seated presence in community. Um, it's not always easy being in the front of people and having to share or to talk or to voice an opinion, especially when something wants to come in that may have may be good for the Kanaka. But when you really think, you know, but when you really think about it, you want to pose questions so that people can think about why they're really doing it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think being active has become one of those things. The other thing, too, that I notice is the continuity of the sharing. Mm. That as long as we can continue as Kanaka Oibi to continue to make, to make the, the, the luau, to make the lalau, the kalua, the smoke park, the iopipi, um, to, to grow and cultivate our foods, to make the lei and all of those things, and we continue to share out, somebody always going to ask questions about where. Where did it come from? Where you got that from? Who you got that from? How I get in touch with, you know, that way too. And even those who just come into the town recently, it it so. I find that a good portion of those who come want to truly understand how to be. Then I also find that there's another portion of that who is just here because they can be. Um, we don't always have the luxury to be able to go where we like go, you know, and it's okay. Because overwhelmingly, I think as as OEV, we still have the ability, and it's not an upper hand, it's not a power, it's just a knowing of who place is. So we can always ground back in place whenever we need to. 
with that said, though, I think the the speaking the the speaking piece though are those things, right? Mm -hmm. They are the food, they are the lay, they are the music, and um, whenever we need to cycle back and get back or be in a space where people understand for people to understand, we can we have the ability to go back to that, almost like a badge, I guess, if you will, or like a like a shawl or like a cloak. You know, you have the ability to still address and come to space. Is it easy? Definitely not. It's not because the culture has changed a little bit. Um, you know, we're not in a generation necessarily of the please. And I don't mean the kids. I just mean in this time and season of please, thank you, excuse me. And I'm sorry. They don't mm -hmm. always go so far anymore, you know? And then sometimes there's moments when you look at the community and say, bro, we wouldn't have done that before. You need one crack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but there's always opportunity to meet that with Oh, maybe we can do that a little bit different. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but this is also another way to look at it, you know? And so I see that in my students. I see that in my families. I see that in our own community and um, not always easy, but definitely something we need to push forward and to continue to understand. Um, one story I think I have of that, and it's Mo'olala uh, Pokole, is a story of the bypass road coming through Waimea. And, um, you know, even even now, even now, not if, if people are listening to this, they're not always going to agree with what I have to share, and that's fine. But uh, the bypass, DHHL bypass road, um, had the potential, has still the potential to come through DHHL and exit out in an area closer to Waikoekoe and Waimea. Um, and, well, in Pukapu, actually, not Waimea. And um, there was a mana'o that was laid at one point for the road to actually go on the Kohala side. So the Napali Kapua on the east side of Waimea, which is the Waiawea, Waiaka, Haleahaki, Kauniho, that whole space. And um and it was an idea that started to gain traction. And I remember sitting there because I was a lot younger than those who were speaking, and many of them were not Kamaina to Waimea or had come in the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years. And fortunately for me, the job that I had when I was young was um, riding and exercising horses in all of those areas. Um, but I got to learn the escape of that place by a couple of things, right? The reservoirs themselves, um, the streams and the tributaries themselves, and watercress, which really gives you a good idea as to Vai and, the, and how Vai is such a huge part of that space and then eventually learned who Manawa was and about Manawa and her ability to be a temperature check on ground for us as to how the forest was actually, what the condition of the forest actually was. Um, and I remember I finally built up the courage one day to stand up and say, um, we cannot put the road up there. We cannot, that's a watershed. That's where the water comes from. You cannot put the road in that space. And I remember there being a justification like, well, you know, across the nation and many places around the world, this happens all the time. I said, that's fine. But uh, we don't have trees down here. This is where the trees are. This is where the isolation is. This is where all of the the um, the regeneration of, of water molecules is able to happen for us. And we can see that physically. The water, the, the road doesn't belong up there. You know, and so needless to say, um, it is where it is now, which means that it's still in process. Um, but what I do know is it's not going to go up there. And I think as long as we can continue to be in the spaces 
to a voice. And even if it doesn't always get, get heard, it may, it may be felt um, that that's, that's, that has to be enough until the next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Mahalo nui. Mahalo. Mahalo. With a focus on ohana and community relationships, we learned many lessons from the different mo'olelo shared today. And with that, mahalo nui to Pomai for visiting us here at Kaleo o Kauluau. And to all of you who may have tuned in for the first time, as well as those who have stayed with us on this huaka'i through the moku. Yes, mahalo again for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo Kauluau and our special guest, Pomai Bertelman. Please join us every 1st and 15th of each month when new episodes are released. And don't forget to visit our website to follow along on our story maps and more. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook too. Until next time, everyone. Ahui ho. Aloha. Aloha.